Megovanin. 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 Ian that Man Ian that lean. See ya. I did it. You did it. It sounds so good. It does. Just, I'm still working on the flow, but it does sound good. Um, yeah. I Welcome guys to Chronicles of Fiction. Where we nerd out. We oh, nerd out. It's bad. <laughs> Please don't leave. I nerded out in my dream last night because um I was dreaming that we were we were at this big house somewhere and you and Brianna were trying to find something to watch and I was like, well try vampire diaries or the originals or you know something like that something different and but then like after i said that the lord of the rings theme started playing and i was like who's who's watching lord of the rings <laughs> that's great that's amazing yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty uh, i and i uh, definitely nerded out there that's the best it is I've just been... you... hmm? go ahead i've just been nerding out in real life he sounds like it. It's bad. I was up. I forgot about the time change, which that is going to play into our Elvish word today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was up to like two or something. Oh. Because, which would have been fine if the time hadn't changed. Mm-hmm, which means it was really like three. Three. Yeah. <coughs> But I I keep finding more fan fiction. I don't know how I missed this before. But I read um it's called A Field of Blood and Stone by oh shoot, I don't remember who it's by. It's on fanfic.net, but um it was like over a hundred thousand words. Oh. So like very much novel size. Right. But like a large novel. Um I read it in like two days and oh, wow. it what the problem was okay on fans on the fanfic.net app mm-hmm. it will read it to you but it's in that like awful like google narrative voice ah uh, yeah I put up with that crap because I couldn't wait to find out what happened <laughs> wow like at work I was like I don't care my imagination is stronger than this Wow. It was so good. It was about um the Hobbit from the elves' point of view. Oh. But it took um a it took like it was more book canon. It it completely left out movie canon and just went yeah. by the book, which was so good. And yeah. I am still like there's a character. Um I am trash for any but any story that has like Legolas and like his like second in command, <laughs> like I am total trash. And before Forvin, but from Stars of Lights works was my favorite. And now Belhadrin from A Field of Blood and Stone might be taking that spot. I'm sorry, Stars, but he's amazing and I love him. And I'm I can't I can't handle anything right now. <laughs> wow it's bad y'all can tell the difference in levels of nerdiness between us <laughs> I mean I'm probably covering up some uh, emotional other stuff with it so <laughs> yeah uh, but 
amazing other than dreaming of nerdy things have you done anything not really not worthy of being a nerd no it's uh it was a it was a big uh very heavy it was a heavy work week like you know heavy on the work side so uh yeah i know i know and we had a wrestling show last night so uh it was just kind of work go to bed work go to bed wrestle get up with the time change and be tired yep and then i got i woke up with from a text from grandma rita that was just like if you're not busy today stop by for lunch around one and i was like this is odd this is, that's weird you're in trouble what'd you do well i was like <laughs> either like she's like having some big lunch that just people that she knows are rotating in and out of or the family was going over there and no one invited me oh oh and that's exactly what it was because i asked Brian, yeah. i was like are you all going to grandma's for lunch she's like yeah are you and i'm like i guess so now, guess so now. <laughs> that's funny i think i do remember brianna telling me because i talked to her for like two hours yesterday it was great nice um i think she said something about that yeah yeah i was like okay she must be the family must be going over there and grandma reed was just kind enough to remember to invite about you <laughs> the girl that's how it is when you move out just you get forgotten. i i i know i know <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it though and you know it's fine but yeah i was i was surprised i was like okay i guess we're we're doing that and then grandpa's coming up next weekend i think and we're having uh Dinner and then my dumbass <laughs> agreed to go to Grandma Byron's for dinner on Sunday. Yeah. So just to, I'm just getting all the I'm getting all the grandparents in and in, in yeah. Circle. <laughs> so I guess it's good, yeah. but also like I'm just tired. Also, it's a lot of work because she's like an hour from you, isn't she? It yes, she is. Yeah. It is just a commitment on my day off. I feel that I committed you know. to. I hung out with a friend last night, which was good. Bless her heart, she got drunk. It was hilarious. <laughs> but she's, like, a really cute drunk. Like, everything amazes her when she's drunk. And she <laughs> yeah. wasn't, like... I guess she was more tipsy, so I didn't... She wasn't, like, about to black out. But yeah. I was her DD. It was it was great, though. She was like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. And I'm going to the in-laws later this afternoon. <laughs> Wait, is your husband back? No. No, so just me. Why? Because I don't know. Because I haven't seen him in ages. Aha. Uh-huh. So it was time. I don't think you could pay me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know Nick's dad that well, but like just to go over by myself. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, things have gotten a lot better with his parents. Oh, it's they good. used to not be great, but. They've, they've gotten a lot better, so I don't mind going over there. Other than the whole commitment thing. I get that. Sometimes yeah. it has nothing to do with what you co- what exactly you committed to doing. It's just the fact that you committed to being somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's oh. what when I committed to doing anything but stay in bed, I'm like, why did you why? do this? You know, you know yourself. You know you. Why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> so, yeah. But otherwise, not much... Not much going on. Fair enough. What's our elvish word? Today? It is Nian Guanianeg. Oh no, that one sounds complicated. <laughs> it means you betrayed me. <laughs> you betrayed me. The time change betrayed me. <laughs> wow. It's the closest I could come up with. Like there's not really a direct translation. I mean, in like the ten minutes of scrambling that I did. 
I find it for um fu because that's what I wanted. I wanted like some sort like something that kind of meant that, but I couldn't really find anything because you know Tolkien was like wholesome and stuff. Well, right. I say that, but then I've also read Silmarillion, so wholesome wouldn't be really a word that I would use. But uh, yeah. So, Neen Gwarnianig. All right. How do you spell? Okay. So Neen, we've heard that one before. And I in. Gwarnianig. G. W. E. R. Okay. I a. N N. E G. I'm sorry. When you say this word, I hear like maybe three of those letters in there. So I would like to know why the other. I don't know. <laughs> okay, how do you pronounce it? Guarnionic. 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 Yes. Guarnionic. <laughs> do we want to? Okay, okay. You know what? I'm gonna throw this one in there. I'm not gonna count it. We can go over it again next week. But this, I feel like. Bits right now. Uhenyon. Okay. It means I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel that. Yeah. Uhenyon. Nin Guanyaneg. Nin Guanyaneg. I don't like my brain does not want to read that word like that. <laughs> I know. I know. Once I, because like I listened to it several times, and then I tried to pronounce it, and then I started writing it out, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, like, like I can see the W, but the R, I don't get the R. Yeah, that one's hard. Garnier, like, like, like it's like ever so slightly there, but like it's not. not. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nin Guanyaning. And that means. You betrayed me. You betrayed me, okay. I um, want to, I think soon, since we've kind of got a decent amount of like words and phrases, um, I want to start getting into like actual, um, like how certain letters are pronounced. Okay, like phonetics? Yeah, which will be fun. Because um, I think it's going to help uh, with yeah. our pronunciation of. Right, make right, more right, sense. Because, right. like, even just knowing how I is pronounced makes you right, different. It right. makes every, it makes a lot more make sense. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, Neen Guanyang. That doesn't sound right. We can postpone that one if you would like, and we can go with. Okay. No, that's okay. I'll keep, I'll keep practicing. <laughs> Uh, all right well are we ready to dive in yes do we normally talk about anything else i don't think so i don't think so we don't where our lives are not that exciting we're yeah it's it's kind of sad (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm not mad about it um so but last week we left off on quite the cliffhanger um our hobbits are running from the wolves and they run up into some trees. Um, Faramir and Gobby are in the same tree and Mirabella is in a tree close to them, but her branch that she's sitting on is getting ready to fall. And I believe it does fall. Like, yeah. that was like the last set that, that it fell. Yeah. So, all right. So this chapter is called Calling for Help. 
This is from the story of Tooks and Brandy books by Idril underscore Telkatar. And here we go. All right. Mirabella's screams were echoing in his ears. Gabi's joined them. Faramir was frozen for a moment, lost in the horror of what he had seen. He had heard Mirabella falling, hitting several branches on her way to the ground, which slowed her down. Roused to action, he looked down from his perch, hoping she had managed to grab one of the lower branches and pull herself back up. But still she fell, her hands reached out desperately. She hit the ground. Faramir heard the wolves below jumping to their feet. Some ran away, some growled. Mirabella gasped in fright. She couldn't move. Terror had won. Faramir made up his mind. <coughs> Ignoring Gobby's warnings, he half climbed, half fell through the branches on his tree, slipping and sliding, jumping from branch to branch, blood rushing in his ears. His limbs trembled so much he thought he would plum- plummet straight down. With one final leap, Faramir found himself on the ground and turned to face the wolves. They were a little distance off. The fall of Mirabella had surprised them, but they were quickly overcoming that. The closest wolf was coming nearer, eyes fixed on the children, hunched low to the ground. A low snarl sounded in its throat. Its body seemed to be quivering in anticipation. At any moment, it could pounce. Faramir ran to Mirabella and pulled at her arm desperately. Come on, move, you need to climb up. But Mirabella was still on the ground where she had fallen, body rigid and eyes wide with horror. She was petrified. Growling sounded closer behind him now, and Faramir turned to see the wolves still coming steadily towards them, spread out in a wide pattern, cutting off all means of escape. They were hemmed in. Faramir could have dropped down next to Mirabella in fright. He spied a large branch on the ground before them, broken off by Mirabella's fall, and he seized it in one hand and waved it towards the wolves as if it were a sword. Get back, he cried, swinging it from side to side. Stay away. He was painfully aware of how foolish he must look, a child with a stick against a pack of wolves, but what else could he do? He wasn't a warrior. He wasn't like his father who had gone on all those adventures. The wolves narrowed their eyes at the stick, but other than a slight hesitation, they continued inching closer. Faramir looked desperately for another idea. Crouching down, he grabbed some rocks, which lay on the ground with his left hand, and hurled them at the lead wolf, still brandishing his stick and yelling at the top of his lungs. Leave us alone, he threw another rock. Go away. The wolf jumped back when the rock hit its muzzle and yelped with pain. It halted for the briefest of moments. Faramir seized his chance. He moved forwards, leaving Mirabella huddled at the base of the tree. Heaving the stick into the air, he rolled it around his head, the same way his father had told him trolls did with their clubs before the attack, and yelled again at the wolves, who were by now starting to inch back warily, examining him with new caution. Faramir threw another couple of rocks for good measure, heart thumping in his chest. He silently gave thanks for hours of practice he and Gobby had had with catapults, which gave him his good aim. All his rocks met their mark. One wolf at least retreated, giving, a, giving him up as too much effort, but the pack remained. The lead wolf, who had taken several steps backwards as it evaluated this threat anew, had now stopped. Its unblinking eyes rested on Faramir, and the little hobbit stared back as fearlessly as he could. Would it leave him alone? Would it call his bluff? <clears throat> the wolf blinked once, and then settled itself back into its original position, body close to the ground, muscles tense and in readiness to bound towards the helpless hobbits. Faramir's courage failed him. He sank to the ground beside Mirabella and prepared to be eaten. The moon moon sank out of view behind the gathering dark clouds, plunging the forest into impenetrable darkness. All Faramir could see was the glinting of white teeth. He closed his eyes. Faramir waited for those teeth to sink into his flesh, to be torn limb from limb, and chewed up into tiny pieces. 
but the promised bite did not come. Instead, he heard many shrieks and yelps and barks and snarls. He covered his ears with his hands, desperate to block out whatever sound those dreadful creatures were making, but still their noises were loud in his ears. They yelped and they whimpered. They sounded afraid. Fermier wrenched open his eyes and removed his hands, peering into the darkness before him. Instead of those horrid faces pouncing upon him, he saw instead vague shapes before him moving very quickly. Flashes of gray and white, and something lar larger among them. And amidst the yelping wolves, he could hear another sound. Deep moaning, rumbling sounds which, came, which seemed to be coming from the very earth itself. Fermier trembled. Was something even worse than the wolves out there? The dreadful moaning sound grew louder and louder, and the wolves grew quieter. Their snarls were now nothing more than whines, and the sound of their paws was loud as they hastened away over the forest floor. Silence fell. Soon all that could be heard was the frenzied breathing of the two young hobbits. The moon reappeared from behind the clouds, and Fermier was astonished to see the forest around them was entirely of living creatures. Was astonished... The moon reappeared from behind the clouds, and Faramir was astonished to see the forest around them was entirely of living creatures apart from themselves. All that remained was a mess of broken twigs on the ground and clumps of scattered hair. Faramir stayed where he was, eyes searching every inch of the clearing, hardly daring to make a sound. What on earth had happened? Behind him, Mirabella shuddered and choked. The wolves, she gasped. Where are they? I don't know, Faramir said honestly still hardly believing his luck, but we need to get moving before they come back. He got to his feet rather unsteadily, as he felt his knees were about to give way beneath him. Mirabella was still hunched against the tree. He saw she was shaking even worse than he was. Normally, he'd have made some wise comment about her being a coward, but he had no heart for it. He himself had never been so afraid. Here, he said gruffly, holding out his hand to her, avoiding meeting her gaze. She narrowed her eyes at him, suspicious of his sudden gallantry. But she said nothing, merely accepted his hand and allowed him to help her to his feet, to her feet. Mirabella hissed and clutched her ankle. I heard it when I fell, I think, she said, screwing up her face as she gently pressed her fingers against it. Are you hurt anywhere else, he asked, suddenly afraid again. She had fallen a long way, and he worried she was too wounded to move. He knew they couldn't stay there. No, I think I'll be fine, she said. She stood upright, only a slight wince betraying the pain she was in. She lifted her chin proudly. I can keep going. Fermier would have argued with her, but he recognized the stubborn streak in her eyes. She gazed at him boldly, a slight flush in her cheeks. She was embarrassed, he realized. Mirabella. Mirabella always hated anyone saying she was weak. She didn't want him to realize she was afraid. He understood perfectly. He turned away from her, not wanting to see, not wanting her to see how scared he was himself, how terrified he had been when she had fallen. He was the oldest and their leader. He had to be stronger than that. What's going on down there? Gobby's frantic cry came from above them. It made him flinch. In the chaos, they had entirely forgotten about him. We're fine, Faramir shouted up to him. I'm coming to get you. As he climbed back up to Gobby, however, his mind was racing. Why? Why were they alive? Gobby was ecstatic to see him, and with much maneuvering and sliding, he managed to help his friends scramble back down to the ground. Tears flowed down Gobby's cheeks as he saw his sister, and he ran to her and threw his good arm around her neck. Mirabella hugged him back, and only Faramir caught a glimpse of the tears on her own face before she buried it in Gobby's shoulder. Let's go, he said, interrupting the family moment. The wolves could be back. The other two made no objection, and soon they had started on their journey once again, moving through the dark trees like shadows in the night. Faramir was painfully conscious of the fact that they had lost the withy window in their desperate run from the wolves and had no idea where they were heading, 
but he thought he would rather be a little off track than remain where they were, where the wolves could easily find them again. As they walked, he felt an increasing urgency as he looked at his companions, both of whom were now injured. Mirabella made no complaints, but he could see she was in pain, and she fell back several times before Faramir went and offered his arm to lean on. He saw she was about to object, but he fixed her with such a stern gaze she relented. She knew about his own stubborn streak. Gobby was now the one in front, acting far more bravely than Faramir knew he felt as he searched the woods ahead of him. After a few hours or so, just as light was beginning again to peek through the trees, Gobby gave a yelp and jumped up and down with his arm outstretched. The withy window! We found the river again! Faramir had never been so glad to see a river, and before long the three of them had plopped down the bank of the little stream, feeling suddenly that they were safe for no particular reason other than they knew where they were. They stretched out beneath the, an overhanging bush, and all three fell into a deep sleep at once, exhausted by their night's adventures, too sleepy even to bother unpacking a blanket each. When they awoke some hours later, they were absolutely ravenous, having eaten nothing since the previous afternoon. Gobby, ever the most resourceful one, disappeared into the undergrowth and returned with some mushrooms which they eagerly fell upon, despite being less than tasty. Fairman fished around the bottom of their packs and threw away the remnants of the now rock-hard bread and retrieved the last of their dried fruit and berries from the previous day, which were now a squished mess. It was a miserable little meal, especially by Hobbit standards, but they were all grateful for it. Bobby's eyes went thoughtfully to the river. I wonder if there's any fish in that stream. If there is, I won't eat it, Faramir said with a shudder. All the queerness comes from the river valley. What do you think the fish are like? Can't be any worse than the mushrooms. What do you want to use to catch them, Faramir asked him, and saw Gobby's shoulder slump. We'll go fishing when we get back, he said, trying to put a smile on his friend's face by engaging him with his favorite hobby. Down by the brandy ride. Down by the brandy ride, all right? That is if we're not grounded for a month. Gobby's lips twitched into a smile. But you hate fishing. You never want to go with me. You said it's boring. Perhaps a little boring will do me good, Fairmere said quietly. Nothing bad ever happened going fishing. Beside him, Mirabella gave a short laugh. You must be forgetting the story of how Gollum <laughs> got the one ring. <laughs> Great. Sorry, that's hilarious. Fairmere <laughs> uh, <laughs> purposefully ignored her. He would go fishing no matter how bored he was. Gobby deserved a friend who took an interest in his own hobbies for a change. Are we going to starve in here, Gobby asked, his voice smaller than usual. Of course not, Faramir said immediately. There's always things to eat in the forest. We'll be fine. We'll get out safe and go home and everything will be good again. And what about the wives? Mirabella asked. Faramir sighed and rested his, hand, his head on his knees. He glanced at the twins, eyes lingering on Gobby's bandage and Mirabella's swollen ankle. No adventure is worth losing, my friends, he said softly. If there's any here, they've been here for centuries. They can wait until we're a bit older. Bobby grinned, and even Mirabella offered a small smile, though he saw the dis disappointment flash in her eyes. I think there is one here, she said, looking at the trees across the river. The trees have been too good to us. Good, the boys chorused, staring. Think about it, she said, turning to them with new energy in her eyes. That tree that was crushing me? Why did it stop? Because of me and Gobby. It barely even noticed you, Mirabella dismissed with a wave of her hand. It was like something told it to let me go. And then, she paused, holding her breath, when we were running from the Barrow Downs, a path appeared in the trees where it hadn't been before, a path which took us to the river. She sighed as she looked at the boy's disbelieving expressions. Come on! When Gobby fell down the hill, it was a tree branch which helped us get back up. It wasn't there before. It helped us. And last night, 
What do you think could have scared those wolves away? Didn't you hear that sound? It was the sound of a creature we've never seen before. It was huge, and it was old. You think it was an antwife? Fairmere couldn't keep the skepticism from his voice. He was certain if an antwife had had anything to do with him, he would have realized. There could have been one there last night. Well, what did get rid of those wolves? I was getting rid of them, Fairmere said, puffing up his chest. I was scaring them away, remember? Mirabella's lips curled. I can't believe how full of yourself you are, Fairmere took. You think twelve wolves are scared of one little hobbit lad? It was an antwife, or one of the trees who helped us. Let's not argue, Gobby cried, seeing Fairmere about to do exactly that. We need to stick together. Our lives are more important than trees. Fairmere and Mirabella glanced at each other a moment before Fairmere reluctantly nodded. He's right. We need to focus on getting out. The three hobbits soon stood up and began their journey along the river, but without the lightheartedness of the previous day when they had sung songs of cheer in the sunlight. Today they were far too tired and hungry to do anything other than trudge along wearily, hoping against hope to find their way out of the forest. But the day wore on, and they grew more and more fatigued, and the sun dipped lower and lower. Around them the forest seemed to change before their eyes. Hulking trunks, which before had seemed perfectly ordinary, now morphed into ominous figures which hung over their heads long fingers of their branches, outstretched and ready to snatch them away. The babbling river was now black and unfriendly, the sound reminding them more of the slow dripping of water in the darkest of caves than anything pleasant. Even the air itself became closer, pressing down upon them until it was difficult to breathe from the pressure. Shadows grew longer and faces peered at them from behind the gnarled trunks. Night was fast approaching once again, their fourth under the oppression of the trees, and Faramir's heart had never been lower. The thought of spending another night here was enough to make them very miserable indeed. The light was almost gone when Gobby came to a halt ahead of them and threw himself upon the ground, his chest heaving wildly. I can't go on, he cried, his pale little face shining with effort. I'm too hungry. I'm too tired. My arm hurts. We're finished. Don't be dramatic, Gobby, Faramir muttered as he approached, half supporting Mirabella, whose ankle had only worsened. We're not finished till it's over. But as optimistic as his words were, he did not truly believe in them. He and Mirabella sat beside Gobby, each of them leaning on, leaning, each of them leaning on the one next to them. Fairmere had never been more wretched. His stomach was rumbling, his limbs felt weighed down with lead. Mirabella said nothing, but her breathing was heavy and her eyelids were drooping. Fairmere too felt himself falling into sleep, even where he sat. He was so lost in his own thoughts, he almost missed the sound of a voice a great distance off. He frowned as he listened. It had to be a daydream. They were entirely alone. Yet the voice grew louder and louder until he opened his eyes and looked about him. There was no doubting it now. The voice was oh real, and it was singing. <laughs> Mirabella and Gobby heard it too and looked at him with wide eyes. They were afraid, and he couldn't blame them. The voice came nearer and nearer, and soon they were able to distinguish words in a deep, cheerful voice, which reached them even through the stuffiness of the air. Hey, doll, merry doll, ring-a-dong, dillo. Ring-a-dong, hop-along, fa-la, the, the willow. Tom, bomb, jolly yes. tom, tom, bombadillo. <laughs> yep, it was nonsense. Pure nonsense. But the words lifted Fairmere's heart so much he thought it would burst. He turned to the twins, an enormous grin spreading across his face. It's Tom Bombadil, he whispered excitedly. We're saved. Maybe it's the force trying to trick us, Gobby said, but hope had sprung up in his eyes. Mirabelle looked as excited as Faramir. Ignoring her injured ankle, blah, ignoring her injured ankle, Mirabella got to her feet and looked around before placing her hands around her mouth and shouting as loud as she could. Hey, 
Help us, please, come help us. The singing paused for a moment, but then continued on, closer than before. As the words went on, the forest seemed to lift around them. Leaves grew brighter, the shadows grew shorter, the air became less thick. Hey, come merry doll, dairy doll, my darling. Help us, Fairmer joined in on the shouting, and Gavi also pulled himself up. Please. Before them on the path along the river, as suddenly as if he had sprung from the earth itself, there appeared the strangest creature the hobbits had ever seen. Too tall for a hobbit and too short for a man. He was large and wore great yellow boots and a great blue coat with a matching battered hat on his head, with a feather stuck through the band. His face was half covered in a large brown beard, but what they could see but what they could see of it it looked cheerful and red, with many lines covering it, as though he did little else other than laugh. He was skipping and jumping along the path with great bounds of energy, and when he saw the three hobbits he seemed to almost get to a halt and looked at them with a great deal of astonishment. "'Well, now, what a surprise for old Tom!' he cried, peering down to look at them. "'Hobbit children, three of them, what a strange thing! And what is the matter? Why do I see tears on those cheeks? Tell me your trouble now. I'm Tom Bombadil. Let us mend these sorry hearts.' "'Mr. Bombadil, sir,' Faramir began, but was suddenly seized with a great nervousness as he looked, upon the, looked up at the large man. He was aware of just how silly it seemed. "'We are lost. We cannot find our way out.' "'Lost! Lost in the forest!' he cried." face sincere in its distress. What a frightful thing for thee so young. Tom walks here and there, and over hill and under tree, in sun and in rain, and he knows it all. The little hobbit folk are bound to be lost. Too much darkness there is here, too much to fear. But worry no longer. Tom will take you back to his house, and there you shall rest and eat and be merry once again. Tom's blue eyes swept over the three of them, and a new light came into his eyes. He laughed loud and long. Let us hurry back to the dinner table, where we can sing and ask questions. I see in your faces there is much to be told. Now come along with Tom, follow as quick as you are able. With another skip and a bound, Tom continued down the path away from them, singing loudly. The three hobbits wasted no time and hurried after him as fast as they could. But Tom was soon out of sight. They would have despaired if not for the continuous sound of Tom's singing, which reached them every so often, his nonsense floating back to them along the path. They were almost dead on their feet, but they still hurried along as fast as they could, in the cold fading light. The ground was soon sloping upwards and the river growing louder. They saw ahead of them the river plunge over a short fall and the trees came to a halt. The forest was at an end and they found themselves in a sweeping meadow where the river twinkled in the light of the first emerging stars. Before them stood a grassy knoll behind which rose a great house with many shining lights which spoke of warmth and goodness. Instantly, half their cares and worries seemed to fade away. They all but ran up the path and found themselves upon the threshold, surrounded by golden light. That's the chapter. And that's the end. Isn't it? I mean, I know we kind of <laughs> knew, but, like, I like we got, like, halfway through this chapter, and I was like, oh, no, is he not gonna be in here? <laughs> I know, me too. I, I was he... like, oh, did we? Yeah, we totally I was, yeah, I was like, um, where you need though? <laughs> this is interesting, though. I really wonder where this is gonna go. You know what I was thinking while I was reading this? Can you imagine right now oh my how their parents must be feeling? Because, you know, they made that note and they were supposed to be gone one night and, like, you would obviously be concerned because yeah, I would anyways. I wouldn't let my children disappear overnight. But, like, you know, no, no reason for alarm until, like, right. they didn't show up when they said they were going to. And then it's like, okay, well, they're running a little bit late. No worries. But then, like, yeah. that second night... They would be terrible. Like, they would be concerned. And we're now yeah, into that, the they fourth must night. Just be like, like, oh, I, I could not imagine. 
and you have to wonder like do they did they immediately think they went into the the forest or are they searching like everywhere else yeah because i don't think they said anything about going to look for the ants no right they said they were going camping they probably wouldn't think to look in the old forest simply because they don't go there right right does this mean more adults that we're thinking about it from this point of view (laughs) it does it does it does uh, I saw a post that was like um, the difference in watching The Little Mermaid when you're a kid versus when you're adult is when you're adult you're like this girl is dear me yes I think father. I've seen that it's like honey chill okay <laughs> <laughs> uh. I feel attacked but yeah I don't know why that was like so prominent when i was reading that but i was like the fourth line oh my god their parents must be freaking yeah. out i think they're Probably scared more like, scared than they ever were during the war of the ring because it's a different type oh yeah of absolutely fear absolutely. yeah Blah. yeah yeah I don't, i'm glad i'm no longer responsible for children you know right right I don't know. I would be okay <laughs> if I was. Oh, I just I got, got over fever. mine. Well, I think it got over, but it's not really. <laughs> I love this. Like, I got over. Like, like it feels like it, okay? <laughs> uh, I've recently been cured for a hot second. I don't think it's actually, I think it's just like a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, now I've ruined it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yes that's like the word i'm looking for uh, yes yes but it was good i i really enjoyed it i love how faramir's character is kind of sort of kind he of is, but he hasn't like completely done a 180 and i really appreciate that because no. i just read a book i'm not yeah. gonna name it because it was total trash um it was like an actual book it wasn't fanfic because i give a lot of grace with fanfic because like it's fan fiction like it's more fun but if you're gonna publish a book then i don't know hire an editor but that's a different rant um (laughs) but the the main character did like a 180 he's like awful in the beginning and then we're supposed to love him in the end but like half but he was like yeah not a good he like he killed his grandson I didn't like name the book or anything. Actually, even oh, if I did, no. you shouldn't read it. Um, but and then we're supposed to like love him by the end or whatever, and it was just like, no, actually, I still don't like him. As it turns out, just not a fan. Right. But I feel like Faramir's right. character, because his the- his personality hasn't changed, but he has still grown. Right, and he's and I I, I, just, I just really appreciate right. good character development and growth it's beautiful it's just it's that you know he's he's always yeah. going to be mischievous um, and probably a bit of a troublemaker but there does come a time when you do start to realize um how some of the things yeah. that you do do have an effect on people right after you like or right around you um and that's, that's, to me, that's going to be the difference between someone who right. does actually grow right. up and someone who doesn't. 
you know, when, when you're able to recognize that and, and take it to heart and you can still be you, but also yeah, recognize there's a, there's that, a like, time there is a place. line sometimes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that was a short chapter, though. So. It was. Okay. It was only, like, it only needs 16 minutes, uh, so definitely a, a shorter one. So I guess this will be a slightly shorter episode, but maybe that works yeah. out with the time change and we're both... Ugh, I gotta work out because the plan was already. I was gonna get up before I was Dude. like I'll get up at like nine and that'll still be like seven hours of sleep well so I thought and, <laughs> and I'll because like today my workout's like 47 minutes or something so um oh, I was no. gonna get up and do that and then take a quick shower and then record and then kind of okay let's be real keep reading fan fiction until I had to go to the in-laws at three. Um, <laughs> but now I gotta, I'm now, it's cutting into my reading time. Which is big sad. Oh, no. Well, that's what's more important. Working your, your, your arm muscles. my brain muscles, your brain if muscles. it's like. Yeah, these fanfics have actually been really good. I take that back. I don't know how I haven't found them before. But I, I wish I had a good way to share fanfiction from fanfic.net because they don't have like um because like on wattpad you can like announce things and stuff you can't do that on that site because that site is yeah stupid old Um, but the quality of fanfiction and the amount is so much better over there like if it wasn't for the interface of wattpad i honestly wouldn't be on it anymore anymore but yeah but see, that's the thing, like, well, you know, even with fan fiction, you, you absolutely are working your brain muscle because it's different styles of writing, different grammar structures, um, and, and that it, it forces that's your true. brain to work. Even if, even if the content doesn't, isn't, doesn't seem to be very, like, difficult, um, you'd be surprised. I don't know why I noticed that so much yeah. um, as far as, like, people's writing styles. It sticks out to me. Um, and I can tell almost immediately whether or not this person writes in a very generic style yeah, or if they have I call their it own a voice style, which is so hard to pinpoint because, like, that's brought yeah. up a lot with writing. It's like having your own voice, and it is one of the it's the hardest thing when you're looking at your own writing, yeah. and you're like, I don't know what you mean. This is just what it yeah. sounds like, and I don't know if it's generic or not. <laughs> but yeah. Because that kind of stuff is interesting. I had to I had to try to explain it to McKenna. Yeah. Um, that's our cousin. And it was very yeah. hard because I still don't quite understand how it... I don't quite understand it myself. Well, voice... Like, defining what, voice? voice and writing style. Oh, okay, okay. The, the best way, as far as, like, if you were going to, like, try to show it to someone is I would have them read a book maybe something like harry potter or whatever and then have them read a series of unfortunate events and the reason why i suggest that one is because his voice slash style of writing is so different it's immediately noticeable but at the same time it is so thoroughly enjoyable that you fall in love with it and you then see uh, you can appreciate both of them and I think when you if you read a book and then you read another and you don't like how it's written you can't appreciate it therefore you're going to zone in on the one that you like 
and you're going to get accustomed to that. Whereas if you can find one that you appreciate, you kind of open that door to being able to recognize all these different styles and, um, and liking them, not liking them, whichever. But that was the one that opened me up to how yeah. different, yeah. how different people can run. Um, <coughs> Which is really cool because it happens. Yeah. I don't want to say it happens naturally because writers spend a lot of time trying to figure that stuff out. But I think there is a level of <laughs> natural talent and that comes in with that a yeah, lot. I think so. But anybody, any, I don't, okay. Yeah. The whole anybody can write a book. I don't know how I feel about that. Because maybe it's because I have an ego <laughs> and I'm like, you can't. And it's like, no, that's not true. Technically, anybody can write a book, but not as many people can write a good one. <laughs> yeah. What type of book? And it also yeah. depends it, like, on what type of book. If we're talking like a fiction, no, yeah. the truth of the matter, like physically, yes, they can write it, but it 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 takes it takes something special, and I don't mean that no. in a like these people are elevated. It's just they no. they are able to translate mm-hmm. the thoughts and stories in their head to other people that they right. are feeling the exact well, same thing. This person, the same with like music. Like I feel like. I mean, I mean, and I don't really, I'm not, I don't really yeah. do anything with music, so I don't know for sure. But like, I feel like anybody can pick up and pl- anybody can can play the guitar, part. Um, but mm-hmm. there's only a select few who can write music that is actually truly moving. Like anybody could write a pop song because let's be real, most stretch. Um, but uh, not as many people can yeah. make you can write a song that will sit there and make you cry four different reasons and you don't lie I don't know how you felt about her two new albums but Taylor Swift is coming to mind for me Uh, folklore and and evermore like they her you know because she does she writes it all she and Mm -hmm. uh, she's able to tell so many different stories that can resonate with people right how I take it totally different than how you take it you know but Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But she has that yep. uh, ability to be that universal. Art is crazy, and it's not... Art is crazy, man. Easy. <laughs> and I think it's take it's taken for granted a lot. No, no. Especially fan fiction. Oh my gosh, yeah, because, because it's not right. productive in a capitalistic society. That's why. Now, they're doing ways of making it mm-hmm. by, you know, like, with the music industry and the movie industry and stuff like that. But, like, other forms, like writing yeah. and just other things like painting and whatever, like, it is not productive. Yep. So, it is absolutely taken for granted. I've actually been able to, my roommate and I both have really embraced, like, just buying artwork that we love. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it goes with a theme or not. I bet. And, uh, you have, it's, it's so much personality. So nice. Mhm. Mhm. And you just you look at things around your house that yeah. bring you that deep joy. That's really cool. I need more. So I need more art. I bought um the Argonoth painting, which I love. Um, yeah. And then I've got a painting of Rivendell. But that's pretty much. Oh, I've got nice. like it's not. I don't even know if I want to call it art because it's basically just like pick like. I don't want to say stock photo, 
because that's not what I mean, but it's because it's on canvas. Yeah. But it wasn't like hand painted or anything. Okay. Kind of got some of that in the bathroom, but. Yeah. I, I, I challenge slash encourage you to branch out to see if there's anything else besides like Lord of the Rings artwork that Why? brings you that joy. Like I know that cow picture that I had did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just to spice it up a little bit. Like hang that I do, cow and I don't have it up right now because I know you love it. I don't have a good place to put it because it's huge. I think, I think it's massive, but ah, ah. hang it like on the ceiling <laughs> above your bed. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh! If his mother came over and on the okay, first of all, it would be hilarious. <laughs> Second of all, I don't think I could look her in the eye ever again. <laughs> Bless her heart. Bless her heart. Bless her uh, heart. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that the, kind of wraps it up. The word, the phrase. Oh no! <laughs> nope. <hoping> forget. <laughs> okay. All right. Ning. No. Ning guananing. <laughs> Mean guanyan egg. You have to say it again. Mm-hmm. Guanyan egg. All right, hold on. I'm trying to like guan. Guan. Guanyan egg. Yes. Guanyan egg. Guanyan egg. egg. So I I spell it out and then above it I oh, like okay. write down how Sounds it, it out. Guanyan. <laughs> uh huh. Guanyonic. You okay. Guanyonic. <laughs> I wanna like. I wish we lived in times where it was acceptable to. Just I mean, I don't see why we like, can't change train. that. Everybody else is like, we're gonna I don't cancel either, this right? and do this and do that. And it's like I just want to speak Elvish. This is completely innocent. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to accuse you of betraying me in a different language. It was so funny. A couple weeks ago, um, Caleb and I were talking about um, black speech. And I guess uh, from The Hobbit, a lot of that is... It was funny because we called it made up. And not real because the the movie makers made it up. And then we were like, oh wait, Tolkien made up the little bit of black speech. It's technically all made up. But we were like, no, no, no! It isn't the real language. Like this is, this is, this is made up. This isn't what Tolkien made up. So it's, it's, it was funny though because we had a realization of we were talking about Tolkien's languages as if they were real. <laughs> I mean, they are. Well, black speech I isn't mean... functional. There's, there's not enough there. But um, Sindarin is. Ah. And we're just like, this is, this is real. This is, yeah. A society totally spoke this at one point. Like, 10 out of 10. Definitely. I mean, just to say they did it. Yeah, and, he was like, he ah, they think this is fake. <laughs> well, because that was the point. It was supposed to be, like, a mythology <laughs> for Lynn. So, which makes it so right, cool. Right. I just, that idea is just so... 
don't know why it's so cool. Yeah. But I guess it's because it had a purpose. It wasn't just like, oh, here's a story for fun. Like, no, we have a gap in our, in this history. Right. We as in English people, not me. Right. Not my American self. Um, <laughs> but uh, to be like, there's this gap in history. Let's Let's fill it in. And I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah. But I've been reading Baron and Luthien, which has been, honestly, I would suggest reading that before you read The Silmarillion, because it's a much more cohesive story, because Baron and Luthien is in Silmarillion, okay, but so is a lot of other stuff. Yeah. So if you kind of, if you can kind of read Baron and Luthien and then you can kind of get a good grasp on that story, then um, I feel like it would kind of help when you're reading some earlier and then you'll see some of these names and go, oh, okay, I know who that is. And I know who that is. Because I realized something. Okay, okay. okay. Do you know much about Baron and Luthien? Okay. So let me tell you a story. (laughs) So Baron, (laughs) by the time, okay. The first draft, he was an uh, Baron was an elf. Well, technically, he was a gnome, but not like from. <laughs> well, this okay. So like I guess there's another gnome? like gnome also means something else, which I didn't look into, but it didn't mean like garden gnome because my first thought was uh, right. Gnomeo and Juliet. Um, but he uh-huh. because of the um, when you hear gnome, you think garden gnome. He changed him to a man uh-huh. uh, several drafts later. So basically, Baron is a mortal man. Okay. Luthien is an elf maid. Um, she is the daughter of Thingol. Okay. Um, which, oh my gosh, I love. Thingol, I believe, is who Thranduil was um, based on. I think he kind of took Thingol when he was creating Thranduil and kind of I think they're related. There's no canon to say okay. that they are, but there's nothing to say that they aren't either. But that's a different, that's a different story. <laughs> um, so basically, Baron stumbles in, I won't give away the end. Well, I kind of have to, but um, Baron stumbles Okay, so you won't okay. I don't own the book, um, so it'll be a long time <laughs> Baron stumbles into the woods where Luthien is singing. He absolutely falls in love with her. Um... And they end up, they end up eventually meeting and blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, Luthien takes Baron back to her father, who is the king, Thingol. Thingol laughs at him when he says okay. that, when Baron says that he wants to marry Luthien. Oh, and says, you can marry her when you bring uh-huh. me a Silmaril. Which... Those are a little complicated. It's basically a bright, shiny jewel that came from, you know what I'm not going to say because I'm not entirely sure I remember correctly. But basically all the elves want the, want the Silmarils. Yeah. Um, but Morgoth has okay. the Silmaril at this point, um, who is Sauron's boss. Oh. Um, and he wears right. it in his crown and... Um, so it was kind of like a joke. Like Thingol was basically like, "Haha, you can you can have her, you can marry her." 
um, if you bring me this. And Baron's like, all right, right. fair enough. I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> and, um, so he tries and fails um, to get it. He gets captured. And so Luthien has to go rescue him, essentially. Which is so freaking <laughs> badass. Like, this chick is like, this is what makes me mad when people are like, Tolkien didn't write any women. It's like, that's because you haven't read anything. Oh my god. Also, like, he absolutely did. Just because he didn't... He, he absolutely, yeah, he absolutely did. The women who are in there are like, I'm sorry, but they are way more powerful than any of the men. Like, Galadriel, like, she can kick uh, some yeah, serious yes, butt. The fact that, that right. you know, the Witch King couldn't be killed by any man, and so it was killed by a woman. Like, I don't I don't know how you... Right. There is no bigger right. to men than that right there. And he did yeah. it so, like, not subtly, but subtly. Especially for... Yes, because I feel like that is what's forgotten a lot with period. these um, classics and stuff. It's like, okay, you have to realize the time period it was written in. And this is something that was very progressive uh-huh. for the time that it was written in. Like, because there's in uh yes like for all the couples they're treat they treat each other's equals and as far as like galadriel and Celeborn, because remember yes. galadriel's married the hobbit um <laughs> but is she they're very much you can uh-huh. see they're, they're very much equals like he's not above him and he's not above her I yeah and and if anything i would say like eat like with galadriel and caliborn especially like mm-hmm. there is a reference a reference yes. from the man to the woman and that i know that you are essentially yes. yeah because she has on a she level has one that rings and she on. is i want to get more into her backstory but yeah yeah she she's a total badass i absolutely and i always have absolutely <laughs> adored galadriel yeah um, yeah, which I am same. so excited She's to see her in a TV favorites. show. I'm like, I, I, okay, but if they I have know, her flirting with other guys and stuff, I'm going to be so mad. I hope not. I really, truly hope not. I don't think so. Um, I don't think they will. But anyway, we were talking about Baron and Luthien. Where was I going with that? Oh. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'll am i leave that. She had to go rescue him. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know. I was like, really, my dude? Really? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know. Um, well, I'll I'll kind of leave what happens with that out so that way you can maybe read that at some point. But basically, they are the ancestors of Aragorn, essentially. So, and you know, the that would explain yes. so much as far as so like basically, his semi-elf-like. I don't remember whose abilities. Okay, they're, but they're also the ancestors of, and not that far removed, of Elrond. Because technically, technically, ah. Arwen well, and Aragorn are cousins like 150 million times removed. Because, which is, but that's why Arwen ah. can okay. choose to be mortal, because she's half-elf half man uh-huh. but what i realized when i was reading is that you know, the ring that aragorn wears 
um, the ring of batter here. That is Baron's uh-huh. father's ring. So that ring's been around, unless oh. I missed something. That ring has been around for a while, for like thousands of years. So I don't, I don't know how I never looked wow. into that when I was watching the movies because it's a freaking awesome looking ring. But I was like, I was like reading, and I was I like, what the? And it was just, it was like a light bulb moment of like, that is so freaking <laughs> cool. But I haven't finished reading the book yet. Yeah. But it's really good. Ten out of ten. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're done. <laughs> right. Well, well, we had time for it. I think now that we went on that rant, we did. Honestly, nice it was nice to kind of fill up that last little bit, so we have a nice good hour. Hope yes. Our and any corrections, please let me the know. Converse. Let us know, because. <laughs> Let her know. Don't, I, uh, I try, but honestly, Tolkien stuff is confusing because there's so many different. Because well, outside of the Hobbit yeah. and Lord of the Rings, well, the Hobbit has two different versions. But outside of that, there's so many different versions because he wasn't ready to publish yet. So and but I do appreciate that Christopher right. Tolkien tells us the different versions instead of just like picking one and rolling with it. He's like, so this was like an older draft, and then, right. then this year it was this, and it was it's it's cool because it leaves more room for fanfic. Yeah, that's great. I hope I wonder if he knows. Oh, he <laughs> I doubt it. That's well, I, I hope nobody tells him because they don't. Apparently, the Tolkien estate isn't super fond of fanfic because. Not, I don't think to, not to the point of doing oh. anything about it. Although I think people were worried for a little while, um, but well, I mean, it. I I kind of yeah. understand because there's plenty of fan fiction out there that doesn't really respect the Tolkien spirit, and that's kind of what always gets brought to the forefront instead of right. these really good ones like the one we're reading now, where it truly captures it, does its best to right. really honor what Tolkien was trying to do and that spirit and that the themes and all that but yeah i get that well yeah i guess that's gonna be it for today it's a good little wrapping up point yep treat your fanfic with respect people as in us (laughs) and please write more as in us (laughs) Uh, and please write more. All right, guys. Yes. Well, thank uh, you. Follow us on Wattpad at Chronicle Fiction. The same on Instagram. Yeah, that's what we have. We have an Instagram. And email us at cof. We like to talk at gmail dot com. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> I stand by it. Uh, I stand by it. <laughs> ten out of ten. Uh, Good decision. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we will see y'all next week. Galoo. Galoo.